so we have a project. We have a project. We call it OM Champion Project. Hi everyone, this is the Marseille View. I'm Stefan and tonight I'm joined by my co-host Ben. You alright Ben? <laughs> yeah. I've been promoted, have I? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> just now it's just the two of us. Yeah, so just the two of us tonight, actually. So it might be a short one, but it's probably a good thing. We usually waffle on a bit too much normally. Um, but yeah, how's things with you? Yeah, not bad. Look, um, I, I, it's a weird thing to say when you're a, a Marseille fan and, and you're actually relieved it's the international break. <laughs> That's how I feel. Yeah, I, to be honest, I, I feel that's a familiar feeling actually um, in previous seasons. But although I am not a big fan of the international break, I must say I've kind of really lost interest in international football in recent years. Um, oh, probably come on, Scotland, Scotland are playing a playoff; they might get to the Euros. Come oh, I might watch that. But to, to be honest, Ben, I, I I never ever supported Scotland. I always grew up supporting France because my oh, okay. my dad's French, my mum isn't interested in football, you know. So. And when you when you grow up and you've got a choice as a kid, support Scotland or France, which one are you going to pick? You know what I mean? Like, um, there's not a lot of joy in supporting Scotland. But I, I think I watched that game actually. Like, I saw that in the news after the last uh, round of fixtures, and I thought, oh, that might be a good time to give Scotland a go because um, I, I find France incredibly boring. Nowadays, I'm just, I just, I've lost the interest for them, and I think, you know, I still watch the World Cup and the European Championships, but I'm, I don't even bother with the friendlies and the qualifiers. I just, I've lost interest, especially since Deschamps became coach. I just find, I, I find them really dull. There's just too many games as well now. I mean, yeah. this whole nation league thing, nation league thing is, is just prop, isn't it? It's a way to sort of justify that. Yes, there are bigger games more often, but I'm, you know, I want my players to not get injured and do well for, for the club. And um, it doesn't help that they're playing such supposed, you know, sort of competitive games. We can, every time there's a break, there's now three international games and it just feels like they're trying to cram too much in. And I mean, we, you know, we, we'll talk about Marseille's level of play, but some of the bigger teams across Europe are suffering as well because of, I think, players being burned down. Yeah, well, fortunately for us, Ed, hardly any of our players ever get called up for international football, so <laughs> we're kind of lucky in that sense. Um, so yeah, so it's just stop talking about um, international football and talk about uh, Marseille, why we're here. But um, yeah, so just thinking about what we're going to talk about today. So we'll do maybe a quick recap of the Porto game, because um, I think that was after we last uh, podcasted. Yep. And then we'll focus mostly on the um, the game against Strasbourg um, and um, as it's about a quarter way through the season now I think officially mm-hmm. we will do a little bit of a sort of uh, review of the, the first quarter and look at 
the remain you know the the next sort of um, quarter as well in the run up to Christmas. So yeah, so that's kind of I think pr- pretty much everything we'll cover tonight. Starting off with the portal game, so that was um, last Tuesday. Uh, Marcy, um traveling to Porto, or Porto, I think it's called, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. In the Champions League, I have to admit I didn't see the game, um, so I'm not going to pretend um, I didn't see the game. And after seeing the result, I had no desire to watch the highlights either. <laughs> so you're going to have to fill me in on what happened. Um, but yeah, so they lost three nothing. Um, what happened, Ben? Well. I think it's first of all you look at the, the sort of pre-game, and again, um, it, it transpired that you know AVB gave a, gave a press conference. Uh, I think it was on Monday, stating that you know, if, oh, apart this is this is mainly his fault if players like Payet and Benedetto and and others are not playing at the level they were last year, then he's got to find a solution to that. And, and reading between the lines, I was already sat there thinking, my God. He's going to start both of them again, and after after all this tweaking tactically and changing things around for the last few games, he's going to he's going to probably revert to the four three three, which is exactly what he ended up doing. And so we were back to the old familiar, you know, Sanson, Rongier, Camara midfield, Payet, Tovan, Benedetto up front, and you just look at it and go, fuck's sake, why why are you? deliberately shooting yourself in the foot when you know Porto inside out as you've, you've been banging on about that you follow them and they're your team and all of that you've, it felt like he, he set us up to fail because you're walking into a very you know yes a team that isn't playing great in Porto but with a very predictable system and a very predictable lineup and so to go very quickly through the game we were one nil down through through Again, defensive mistake, you know, lack of concentration. The ball sort of bubbles around in front of the area. Porto player gets it back, ends up getting through on goal and, and buries it. We then, uh, surprisingly, we, we, we sort of, you know, sort of woke up a little bit, started, started putting our foot on the ball a little bit more for about five minutes. Somehow, Payek, uh, sorry, Tovan goes on, on a weaving run into the box. We get a penalty. And Payet skies it. And, and from there on, you, you know, you, first of all, you're thinking, why is Payet taking this? He's out of form, not confident, probably not in the right place mentally. Um, <laughs> Jesus, you know, what, 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 is, what, is the, what is ABB thinking? What is Payet thinking? He just didn't look confident in his approach. And then he, he skies it, and suddenly we're back to completely losing all motivation, all sense of tactical organisation. Um, and, and I think we, yeah, we, we just fall apart. We crumble, absolutely crumble. We're one nil at half-time, nothing to show for it, you know, no, no sort of anything in the game, no, nothing of note. And then we, we, again, just absolutely dreadful in the second half, not a single shot on goal. Uh, Cuisance and Enrique uh, bought on, I think, with, with 15, 20, 15 minutes to go. We're already 2-0 down by then. And then we can see the third on the break. And uh, it, It's just a shocker. It, it's beyond the results in the Champions League. I could personally say, I'll, I'll, you know, 
I wasn't expecting us to qualify. I think we all called it when we were discussing it that third would probably be realistic. Second, if we managed to win or get, you know, get a few points from the first game and the first two games against Olympiacos and Porto, assuming we were going to lose to Man City. And then it's not the fact we're losing, it's the way we're losing that is, that is extremely you know, shameful for all the fans because we're, we're the laughingstock of Europe. You know, we've equaled the record with 12 defeats in a row now and we, we haven't scored a goal in, in, in any of the three games. I think that's part of the problem, isn't it? Is the it's the way that we're playing. When I mean, as as I said, I didn't see the last game, but I saw the first two Champions League games, and I read about, about what people were saying about the Porto game. But the way that we're playing, we're we're going into these these Champions League games, not showing any real hunger to actually try and play. It looks like we're. It seems like we're going in. We're there just for the for the sake of being there. Um, and there's no. What's the point in being there if you're not going to try and win? If you go, if you're going to lose, and you you think you're probably going to lose anyway, you might as well give it a go. But we're not playing like that at all, are we? We're we're, we're playing. Um, we're just not even playing, are we? We're just yeah. We're, we're terrified, and and you can't have the excuse of oh you know we haven't played it for seven years. Oh yeah, we're a small team because. We don't have the same budgets as Bayern Munich and Man City. You look at the likes of sacking Lokomotiv Moscow, who who came very close to beating Atletico Madrid and certainly gave a good account of themselves. Dinamo Kiev away to Barcelona had had a very good game. Um, Midtjylland, the Norwegian team, away to Liverpool at Anfield, looked pretty threatening and, and you know held their own. And, and can leave there with their heads held high. We can't say the same. And it's just, you know, you look at this and, you, and probably other European countries are looking at Marseille thinking, Jesus, this team's actually won this competition. And, and in previous campaigns in Europe, you always felt like the same way you do sometimes with Liverpool, that, you know, we've got that, that extra little, you know, 5% of, of magic in the air because of our experience in the European Cup and the fact that we've put some famous results together and even 10 years ago against Dortmund and, and Inter Milan and, and likes. But that is completely evaporated. We, we are miles away from that. Do you know, I was listening to something um, someone said in another podcast and they were talking about the game and they were saying how, you know, like for, and this is not just about Marseille, this is about all French clubs. Like They really should be going into European football Think you know against any any club that's out for, outside the top, you know four leagues maybe they should be going into these games thinking we can, you know we can win that game. So going into to, I know no disrespect to Porto, I know they've got a lot of experience um, in Europe, European football, but you know we're second in the French league, right? Which is supposed to be one of the top leagues in Europe. We should be going into a game up against the Portuguese side thinking. You know, we should be able to win this game, really, or we should have a good chance of winning this game. And same, going into a game against a Greek team, we are supposedly in a tougher league, playing better opposition. We have probably a much bigger budget uh, uh, in, in terms of um, also thinking about how much money we've spent on building our squad. We really should have the resources to to um, perform better than that against that kind of opposition, wouldn't you say so? It's it's mental. It is mental beyond, 
even even you can you can point to certain physical defects, but this is where I don't really buy into that debate is because the big European leagues all finished, they all played through lockdown. They've barely had time off during the summer. So yes, maybe they have a bit more rhythm, but they also have a lot more injuries accumulating. And we just seem devoid of any rhythm, any intensity. So that's that is one aspect is physically are we are we at the level we should be and we know that we have a you know disrupted sort of pre season. But mentally, and I think this is the main problem, there are no fucking leaders in this in this squad. There is nobody there's no sort of Gabi Einzer or Lorik Senna type type guy who's a character who who will take the other players and say, Guys, for fact's sake, come on. We can't embarrass the club and the fans like this. Let's let's put get our heads down, defend together, fight for each other. You know, let's let's put a shift in. Even if we lose, we need to be able to come away from here and say we gave it our best shot. And you just feel like, you know, whenever something goes against us, everybody's looking at each other like Oh shit! What am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to be positioned? And it, it's it's shocking. You know, Ben. Though you say that about not having the right personnel, but if you look at um, just a couple of years ago, we had uh, guys like uh, Rami, Gustavo, who maybe could have fit that bill in some way. And yep. it didn't work out for them in the end. You know, come the last season, they weren't leading really in the pitch either. This, I think, Indeed. you could you could bring in. A player like that, but um, I'm not sure that it's the personnel that's the problem. I, 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 I think it's something to do with the culture, of the club. There's some something wrong within the institution, or uh, maybe it's just a dressing room. But maybe it's bigger than that. I don't know. There's something wrong that um, I don't know. It just seems to breed, that, breed this kind of. Those players got to Europa League final, so we did get to a cup final in Europe. We looked yeah. like a team, and we were actually playing football and. It just feels like there's nobody to pick the guys up, or, or similarly kick them up the backside when when they're not pulling their weight. Before, just to finish off on this game, I just wanted to mention um, the comments made by Andre Villas-Boas, which um, I think is quite shocking. Um, I'm going to read them out actually, right? If I can just get them up, um, just so that everyone's because maybe not everyone has heard, which is quite a surprising comment. Um, it shocked me, let's just say. Um, so he says, in order to be shit in the Champions League, you have to at least qualify for the Champions League. <laughs> we did it, and we are being shit. So it's incredibly honest, right? But I, as soon as I saw this, I was just like, oh my God, he did. surely he didn't say that. I just think that that is really, really bad. I know it's, people might praise him for being brutally honest, but um, I find it's really, really, um, how would you say it's very unprofessional yeah I don't think he's shown much class at all in this I think it's really disrespectful to the players and to me it sort of indicates that maybe he has lost the dressing room maybe he's lost the support of the players uh, or or may not be quite as um, profound as that but maybe there is the beginnings of a sort of a disconnect, you know, maybe he's starting to feel detached from them. Yeah, you know, maybe he's like not the following the instructions. He's getting frustrated, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, it feels a bit more like the opposite, where he's lost, he's lost faith in in the Pirates and Benedettos to to regain form, and you know, he's given them every chance, and and he's you know he's played them in the big games apart from V Man City, 
you know, he's played them in, in these games where uh, he, he reckons that they've got a chance, you know, it's tonight or never if they are going to turn it on. And they've just had too many chances to do that. And not only are they not turning it on, but they are, they are amongst the very worst performers each time. And that's, that, that's it's obviously gotten to him. And, and it's, it follows up on his comment after City, isn't it? Which is, oh, you know, you pay a billion on players and you, and you get Pep Guardiola, you have a proper tactic, but you, you know, you're Marseille and you're broke. You've got AVB with his tactics. And it's not, mate, all of the foreign press is picking this up. You're making us a laughing stock. It's very frustrating. When I read it, I just thought, immediately I thought, for me, this is the end for him. He's got to go. I'm not sure if I, you know, I once I've had a few days to sort of, um, how do I say, calm down from him. But <laughs> I'm not sure that I quite feel like that right now. But I was really, really surprised. I thought it was um, a really, really poor move. Now, you mentioned about um, Payet, for example, some of these players that are not performing that should be kind of leading. But I, you know, I think that, again, I heard, I read this, I heard this somewhere else on another podcast and this is 100% how I feel about this. And I wasn't convinced in the summer. I mean, we, we talked about this in the podcast in the summer. I don't think I mentioned anything, but in the back of my mind, I kind of had this worry was that why are we giving him a big, long contract? Um, why would you give a player like that who needs to be well-motivated a contract that guarantees his um, place in the squad um, for the remain probably the remainder of his career. He's the kind of guy that doesn't need that kind of comfort. He's the kind of guy that needs to to um, have something to 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 fight for. Um, he needs for, to be trying to prove himself. You know. It, it, yeah, at the time, I think we were all lauding him for you know reducing his salary and spreading it out and, and staying with the club and whatever. But the problem is, you know, it's backfired massively now, so far. And again, you, you look back at it and you go, bloody hell, Iro has been, you know, he's been taken for a fool again because maybe Payet realised he was, he was, he was fucked physically. Um, I think maybe him having COVID, whether it, he was really ill or not, it, it, we know it impacts people in different ways. Maybe that hasn't helped and he's, he's struggling to, to regain his physical shape, but it just feels like he's taken the club for a ride and it feels like he, you know, he's laughing because he's sat on this contract that goes on for quite a while and he knows that whatever happens, we're stuck with him. Yeah, it doesn't help. And I said this before in the podcast, it doesn't help that he's spent um, the whole summer like taking pictures of all the food he was making and then he sort of rocks up overweight and with a, you know, a playboy hairstyle. It just like doesn't look good, does it? It looks like you're like, what the fuck is he, what was he doing? Right, um, anyway, so um, I don't want to talk anymore about um, the portal game because I think we said we were just going to kind of skip over it and go on to um, the match against Strasbourg. Um, now the game last weekend was um, I won't I won't want to say it was better, but it, I guess it had a better result in the end. So we we managed to come away with a one nil victory away from home. Now the really the standout thing from this game is the fact that we created absolutely nothing, and I know that is not. You know, out of character for us at the moment, because you just said there against Porto we couldn't create anything, for example. But this game we actually created nothing. The whole game had one shot, scored an incredible goal, and won the game. It was just madness, isn't it? It's it it just it it's unheard of. 
you know, you look at, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this when we do the quarter review, but you, you just look at where we are in the league and you go, my God, how would we've pulled this off? How the fuck are we second when for the last, what, since we played Bordeaux? You know, all of the games included, Champions League and League, we've probably created, you know, I, I look a lot at the expected goals ratio, we've probably created less than 0.2 scoring chances per game. And it's it, the fact is that we've we've won two league games. Yes, we've been battered in Champions League, but we've got six points in the league. So it, it, that game, again, was, was just a travesty. And... and Fair play to, to AVB. He did change the lineup. Um, even though he changed the lineup, he he brings Valère Germain in. Okay, um, but it's it's you know where is Aki? Where is Enrique? Um, you know what is he waiting for to give those guys a solid solid start? Surely Enrique has been been here you know a good four five four five weeks now, even six seven weeks. He, you know he's used to he's you know acclimatized to, to the, the club the squads and so yeah again from the lineup you didn't have much hope that you were going to see anything better but you you knew with Germain anyway you knew that you'd have a player that was going to make a lot more effort than we've seen from others recently well this is the thing. everyone gives Germain a hard time but at least Germain actually tries you know i know he's not he's not praised for his uh, quality but he's um yeah, he's 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 a player that play, gives it gives it all. He plays with his heart, and he clearly like he's not he's not like your Tovans or your or your Payets who are, look uninterested sometimes. Jaman, at least he's always trying to run and do something. So you've got to kind of at least when we're playing like this, you've got to I suppose um, exactly feel like a bit warm, a bit warm towards Jaman for once. But yeah, he was like this. We're going to praise effort, aren't we? Because it's better than the shit show we've been seeing for the last few weeks. So, <clears throat> in times like this, Germain is his usual Germain, you know, not getting into goal scoring positions, whatever. If he's throwing himself around the pitch and he's making defensive challenges and he's he's looking like someone who, who gives a fuck, that's that's all we want, and I'll take that right now. So, just thinking about the the game anyway. So. Firstly, the formation. So we kind of reverted back, didn't we, to the diamond formation, I believe, with yep. Cuisance playing in the, in the number 10 role. Uh, I mentioned last time in the pod that I was kind of unconvinced by him in this position. I felt, again, he was really disappointing in that in that role for me. I just felt like he wasn't really that effective and that he... Um, I'm just not sure he's got the, the right profile for it. You know, I don't know if he's got the... You maybe want someone who has got a bit. Of, I know he's got a bit of flair, but I, I don't know. It's just for me, he's just he's not quite attacking enough for that kind of role. Um, and I yeah, think he, you could, he seems very pressed in position, possession, doesn't he? he? He just seems to to try and get rid of the ball too quickly when he gets it. Yeah, and I it, I wonder why AVB is insistent on trying him in that role. Is it because maybe he feels that we're a bit well stocked, um, slightly deeper? Um, and he's the player that he sees having a little bit more of a, um, how would you say, he's got a bit more of a, an eye for that. Um, yeah, he's got vision. Yeah, difficult kind of um, fight pass. You know, they, they get one who's maybe capable of unlocking a defense, um, and you know, by producing you know something 
quite special, but I'm just not sure um, he's the right profile. So I kind of felt like, as well in the game, like they got, when we did have the ball in the very rare moments, um, when we did have the ball in Strasbourg's half, he doesn't necessarily make the right choice. He's quick enough. Um, there was one, and I'm not going to go on about Cuisson, so I think I know I gave him a hard time last time, but there was one occasion <laughs> where I think the ball got lobbed forward and it was headed back by someone, and Cuisson, I might be getting this wrong, but there was an, an an opportunity where he was kind of in that number 10 space and he could have passed it to the right to Tovan. I think he had a bit of space and he chose to give it to the left, really. It was really quick. And, and he passed it to the left in the move. Yeah, he yeah he 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 looks like he's in too much of a rush to to get rid of it, um, rather than than waiting for you know waiting and, and raising his head and looking at who's available. Yeah, but be, yeah. Beyond his performance, I think it's for, for a role like that, a player in a role like that to work. And this is these are the pitfalls of the four four two diamond. Is with AVB, who's so fucking conservative. Our, our fullbacks aren't running forward. So when we're playing 4 3 3, you've always got presence on the wing, you've got width. But when you're in 4 4 2, you're a bit more condensed in midfield, especially when Sanson and Rongier just don't seem to get it through their heads. Well, Sanson wasn't starting, sorry, but he, Rongier certainly struggles to get it through his head. That he, he, he's got to drift out a bit wider when we're in possession to, to, to you know, to unlock the defence and pull, pull someone out of the centre of the park to give space to Cuisance. So you have that problem where the midfield, again, as usual, is too flat. But you also have the problem where in the first half, it wasn't just Cuisance. I think Rongier was in this position and Camara more than anybody was in this position in the first half where he had the ball. We just won the ball back either, you know, decently high up the pitch as in towards the, the halfway line or there'd been a clearance from defence and it gets distributed to, to Camara. And then you just look and there's no outlet. So what was happening? We were passing it back. And it was, the, the, I think the, the two players who touched the ball the most were, were Chiletta, Tsar and, and, um, and, and Belardi. Because the issue is you've got no overlapping runs and nobody trying to, you know, to, to make a run or to, to, um, to advance into space. So there's nowhere to, to pass it forward to. Maybe this is a slightly outdated um, example, but I always think of that formation, the diamond formation, right? Mm-hmm. I think that when I think about it, right, I think of one team, right, and I think of AC Milan. Um, now, it's possible we just don't have the right players to play that kind of role. I don't think, I think if you look at how Milan did it, right, it's a long time ago, but I always remember, right, they played that formation for a bit where they had. Um, Pirlo sitting deep in the kind of number six role as a deep yeah, line playmaker. With Gattuso, who's a defensive midfielder, actually just playing as a central midfielder, just running around like a, you know, a, a headless chicken. Yeah, just yeah. kind of, um, you know, which allowed him to, I guess, maybe to cover more ground in the pitch and then seed off on the other side, who's a, you know, more creative player who's kind of playing a bit more deeper. And, and then Kaka, you've got they had in number 10 who has got this pace, he can bomb forward, it's he can almost, it's almost like a forward himself, you know, but he's running through the middle, like having, it's almost like a winger actually, playing a winger through, or someone through the middle, like um, using their pace and skill to be kind of more direct and stuff. And I think, um, I mean, obviously not every 
side that plays the diamond formation has to have the same profiles. But if you just look at how the way our setup is, doesn't quite fit. You can see how it works so well with Milan, how they complemented each other on that system. But I'm not sure, like, as I said, Cuisance maybe doesn't work like that. Maybe, as you said, with someone like Rangier. I think Sanson probably can do it, um, drift out wide a bit. Um, but, you know, even like Kamara, who I really love Kamara, but maybe because he's got that kind of Gattuso-esqueness about him, he he's just chases mm. every ball, he's very aggressive, he doesn't give up. And as much as I love him playing in the sort of number six position, because I think he's very good at it, in that system, he maybe he might be better not... not but maybe they might be better playing someone a bit more, um, someone who can sit deep and just ping passes. Bit like, well, Gay would fit perfectly there, I, I reckon. Gay would sit where, where you said Pirlo would sit. Well, he's got a good range of passing, doesn't he, um, Gay? I, I, I was thinking, um, actually, Cuisance might do a good job, but who knows. Um, but yeah, I don't know, maybe the, the, the makeup isn't quite right, so... Maybe maybe we don't have the personnel though, so maybe we, it's a system we might not be able to make work. Well, we, we, maybe maybe we do have the personnel, but not when nobody's in form. <laughs> yes, that um, pro- that probably been a very um, yeah decisive factor on this. But yeah, so the formation it it was <laughs> it wasn't perfect, and I guess the thing that I'm sort of finding a bit confusing is how he's chopping and changing it game from game so he's going from 4-3-3 to 4-4-2 four, 4-3-3 4-4-2 4-4-2 3-5-2 yeah I don't know I just don't really understand like I, I like the fact that he can tinker around with the formation that's a good sign he wasn't doing it before um, that he's open to trying new things but um, I don't know I just don't really quite know what he's trying to do um, was the Strasbourg game a game where you you play the four four. You need to play the four four two. I don't know. Well, the problem is he's tinkering, yes, but what what he's not doing is he's not putting the right eleven out there for the formation that he's playing. Is is the feeling you get? Because, and again, I appreciate he's probably playing him sparingly to not burn him out. Like, and probably that's the only justification I can find for Enrique not playing very often, but. You know, you, you would think that with you know with his physical capabilities and the fact that he's young, Gay should be an established starter in that eleven by now. Especially with everyone else being out of form, he should be interchanging. You would think Sanson and Rangier until one of them you know hits form and finds finds a bit of a you know role and adapts to playing with Gay. And Gay should be the focal point because in every game he's played, he's the only one who's looked. Like he can, you know, he can hold the ball. He's not, he's not rushed to get rid of it. He tries to play it forwards, and and if he doesn't, he always tries to to advance with it and carry it forwards. So it's, regardless of the formation, I've I've felt too often like he he's maybe he's got the right idea tactically, but he's not put the right personnel in the right positions. Yeah. So one other sort of talking point from this game is the substitution so he in the second half AVP put on uh, Sanson and I'm not going to say like it changed the game well it did change the game and that he scored but I'm not going to say that suddenly we were playing excellent but we started to show a bit more energy um, as a result of that change I think and Sanson scored a superb goal mm. um and then he took him off. <laughs> it was very strange, wasn't it? 
Why well, didn't he take I, him off? I didn't. Was he injured? I, I didn't I quite understand. I thought at the time he'd picked up a niggle, but um, no, I think he. I think he just tweaked the system again and wanted to. Wanted to. You know, probably probably couldn't believe we'd somehow nicked a goal and thought, shit, there's no way we can concede now. Um, but yeah, no, he brought on also Payet and Benedetto later on, didn't he? And it, it, all three with Sanson combined to create that goal out of nowhere, which. You know, it's the stuff of dreams. It's, it's something you see in, in FIFA when you play video games. But to, to, to not only score from our only chance of the game, but to, to score a goal like that is just it's unbelievable. You just think, my God, if you're capable of this, where is it the rest of the time? That's it, isn't it? That if you, When you see that goal, it shows they are clearly capable of playing football like that. But where is it? Why aren't we playing like that all the time? Or yeah, maybe we can do that all the Benedetto. time. But... I mean, Benedetto got an assist, and I thought he did all right when he came on. He, he certainly was, was. You know, you could tell that Strasbourg were a bit tired at the back, so he was. He was actually quite precious when we were trying to build, and he, he was. You know, he was combining well with little one-touch passes to the sides and stuff. And you know, right, well done to him. He got an assist. Hopefully, it, it boosts his confidence a bit. Absolutely. Um, so, just thinking about the line-by-line line analysis. So, just thinking about goalkeeper Mandonda. Any thoughts on him? Quickly. He didn't have a lot to do, did he? Nah, he I think he pulled he? off a couple of saves, but he wasn't really pressurised. Yeah. Um, so yeah, not. I don't really have much to say about him either, to be honest. But. The defence was kind of interesting, actually. I thought um, Leonardo Balerdi had a pretty good game, actually, and it's the second really good game he's had in the league in a row, wouldn't you I think say? he was uh, elected man of the match, wasn't he? Yeah, so maybe we were wrong about him. Against uh, uh, Strasbourg and uh, uh, Lorient, he was very, very strong, wasn't he? He's kind of starting to look quite composed, um, showing his quality. Actually, he's starting to play well, and Chaleta Sars looking a little bit... Rusty, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I agree. Um, but I think it's you know the image of the whole team where everybody's mind is sort of dips and concentration and um, you know Belardi. Yes, interestingly enough, we were all bashing him after after the game against Sotitien. But you think back and you think, my God, you know the poor kid, not played much professional football. He's right footed. He gets slotted in at left back for for some unknown fucking reason. And yes, he has a stinker, shock horror. You know what a surprise. But fair play to him. He's you know he's put his head down. He was he got the goal against Lyon. Um, he was very good again against Strasbourg. I, think, I thought he was quite commanding and um, he, he certainly was very sharp in his challenges and, and never never second to the ball. And it, it's pleasant surprise. I think we can honestly say right now. I can I can say it with utter conviction. I would I did not expect to be sitting here quarter of the way through the season saying he's looked like our best recruit so far. I don't know if I agree with that actually because I think our best recruit is in midfield. Um, but, um that would be gay for me. But yeah, so I've just not seen enough of him. You don't think so? Hmm. Um, not yet. Okay. Moving on, but we haven't hardly seen anything of Balerdi either. Well, he, he, we've seen him start two games in which we kept clean sheets and he scored in one and he's been man of the match in the other. So, yes, granted it was Lyon, Strasbourg, but at the, at the time when the rest of the team is, is out of sorts, he's you know he's putting in a shift. He's, he's carrying us. OK, right. Then just moving on to the midfield then, any thoughts on the midfield? I think, I think the, last, sorry, the last thing to say about the defence was 
you know, Amavi and Sakai were okay. Again, I, I think it's AVB's instructions that telling them not to bomb forwards. But it is worth pointing out that <laughs> I, I was really fucking shocked that we did not get a penalty awarded against us when, when Amavi clumsily brought down the Strasbourg player in the 90th minute in the box. Definitely, it was a penalty, wasn't so, it? So, as well as Amavi has been playing and as consistent as he's been, Against Porto, he was a bit, you know, he was a bit um, overwhelmed as well, and and he just looked like the Amavi of old on Friday against Hasbur, where he, he he wasn't concentrated and he loses his man for for a couple of times, and one of one of those times almost ends up in a penalty. Okay, so yeah, so thinking about the midfield, um, I think we kind of talked about the midfield mostly already. Um, we sort of talked about Cuisance and 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 Angier, but any anything else about the midfield that you you think was worth mentioning? No, no, it's just uh, as usual, it, it's flat, and there is no no profile that looks different from any of the others in that midfield, apart from Camara, which is you know an obvious. Um, sort of, uh, you know, he's a hound dog that, that heads down the ball and, and is charged with getting the ball back as early as possible and breaking the line, well, sitting in between the, the opposition lines and, and intercepting the rest of the midfield, apart mm. from Gay when he's been in the team, have just looked completely clueless. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that um, the Sanson thing is, is very strange, isn't it? Because he's up most more often than any of the others, the player that can look quite flat, but he clearly is a good player, isn't he? Like, he's got quality when he, when he isn't just running around like a headless chicken, he actually can play football and I, I just find that very strange about him, like, you know, the, he's clearly got quality, look at the, the technique in the shot, for example, it's, you have to have quality to pull off something like that, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, he's a bit of an enigma for me. He is statistically more so because he, you know, he's he's got now. Is that his second or third goal of the season? And he's got two or three assists as well, I think already. Um, but if you, I think I was, I saw this after the um, the Mets game when he when he scored that last minute last gasp equaliser. Um, in the last 10 games, he's got something like three goals and four assists. That game counted, so he's now on four goals, four assists. So even looking back to before lockdown last season, that apparently, seemingly, he was one of the most informed players. So just thinking about the attack then, um, we started off with Tovan and, and Germain up front together. Didn't really work out, did it? <laughs> Tovan, whoever... Thought that Tovan could play down the middle must must hopefully be eating their shoes right now or their hats because he's he is not a central striker. He just doesn't have the physical presence or the positioning, the sense of positioning to play down the middle. It's just not possible. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't like him in that role either. And he, just even more frustrating is the one time we, we play four four two with Germain on the pitch. We failed to put a, a recognised striker next to him, you know. <laughs> it's just we've we've had Jamal for for three three years now, four years. He's played four four two with Mitrogli probably once or twice, and that was never for a full game. 
we know that's his best position at Nice at Monaco before he joined us. That's where we, he, 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 he performed really well, got goals and got assists. And we decided to play that tactic at Marseille, finally. And we finally start him for the first time this season, I think, or the second time. And we, we put Benedetto on the bench and we don't play Ake. <laughs> it's just nonsensical. Yeah. So, lastly then, about Strasbourg game. So, what were your takeaway, or what was your takeaway from the match? I think, even though we've looked shocking defensively in the Champions League, in the league, we, we've we've done quite well. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've not conceded, it certainly, well, we've had, what, two clean sheets in a row? Um, and we conceded to Bordeaux on, on a bit of a you know mistake towards the end of the game when we were freeing the lap. Um, but we we've looked quite solid, and it's yeah the resiliency. You can tell that this squad has does have mental resources when it needs to to go and fetch them and when it needs to grind out a result away from home. In the league, our record under AVB is miraculous. Um, you know we've we've. We're unbeaten in, in almost 20 games away from home in Liga. And we've got, we've got, I think it's 30 points out of a possible 32. That's quite incredible, isn't it? It's, 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 it's just, you can't explain it. It's, it's a freak of nature. Um, so that, that is my main takeaway, is that yet again, we've played two, league, two away league games in a row because the last game was postponed. And we've, we've won both. Yes, 1-0. Yes, it was lacklustre. But we've somehow found a way to win. I always felt sometimes in the past that at home we were sometimes weaker because of when things weren't going well. You know, playing at home was a disadvantage for us. But when the, the fans were quite hostile towards the players. Um, but right now... That's not an issue because there aren't any fans and we're still and we're shit at home. It's a funny one, isn't it? Because in many ways, playing at home, we we really benefit from playing at the velodrome in front of the fans, but and sometimes it, it doesn't actually help us playing there. And I don't know why that is. Um, it's all, the AVB factor as well. It's the tactical factor where think, when when teams come to the velodrome, they sit deep, don't they? And they 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 put the onus on us to dictate the tempo and create and break them down. Which we're just in, we're not capable of doing under AVB. Even last season when we were playing well, yes, we had a good spell against Bordeaux and Lyon, and, and you know, yes, we had a, few, a good run in November, December. But the rest of the time, we we, we were dire at the Velodrome, absolutely dire. I think you're probably right. It's that that's part of it, but yes, as you say, it's also the pressure where we know that if the players aren't doing well and we're not creating much after 30, 40 minutes, the stadium's going to start, you know antagonising them every time they miss a pass or something so there's that added pressure but that shouldn't be an excuse because it's empty yeah so I think this is a good time actually to to move on to the the next item so uh, we came out of the the game against Hasbro um, in fourth place now but we've got a game in hand and if we win that game in hand we are then into second place so even though we've all been complaining about some of the poor results and poor performances in the league. We're actually doing okay so far. We're looking, although it's very tight at the top, but we are we are kind of 
we're, we're keeping we're keeping ourselves there, and we're keep we're we're on the right track, and we're grinding out results now. We're only at what nine games into the season. Yep. So we're about a quarter way well, through. Well, it's supposed to be ten, isn't it? But yeah, nine, we're only nine. Yeah. So I, yeah, we I think what we said we would do is we will just kind of reflect on that. You know, the first quarter of the season. Well, I, I brought it up. I thought it'd be a good idea because I just you know I thought what what was what would be interesting and, and it is interesting is to draw the parallels with when we did one last season, didn't we? At the same stage, about a quarter of the way through, and that was when we'd we'd just beat Lyon and we'd. Um, with, did we beat Lille as well at the Velodrome? I, I, I think we'd, so we'd, we'd lost against PSG on, on match day six or seven or something. But we'd, we'd after that put together a few good results. But not only would we, had we put together results, but you could see that's, that was around the time when AVB permanently installed Camara in, in, in the number six role and where Rongier was finding form. And Benedetto was fighting for him because he was, he'd scored against um, Saint-Étienne. And then Payet was on fire because he'd, he'd smashed Lyon single-handedly. And we, we were on that sort of upwards trend, weren't we? We were on that upward streak where we had reason to be encouraged. We looked at the Renner games coming up and we all thought, yeah, we, you know, we could actually make a good Renner this up until Christmas. Because we, we're playing well and, and players are finding form. And, and you draw the parallel with this season. It's the complete opposite, where we look like we don't know quite where the, where the solution is going to come from, and where if if they're going to snap out of this, you know, this trance they seem to be in, where they're petrified of actually trying to play football or try to to put an attacking move together. But then again, we, we we've got two more points in the league than we had at the same stage last season, and with a game in hand. I don't know if I. I 100% agree with all that because I do think that last season in those um, first few games under AVB we were a bit cagey looking I thought and it took us a while to kind of to settle in to the season well, yeah did, I don't but know we, weren't, we weren't as bad as we were now we were nowhere near no I mean we, 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 we were scoring more goals and you know Benedetto had a, a bit of a run as well where he looked yep Decent, yeah. I mean, it was obviously it was nowhere near as um, as flat as we are right now. But it, we 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 slowly kind of settled in, and I think the the Leon game, for example, is a pro- was is probably a, not a turning point, but it was clearly a significant point in that in the season, and that we had won this major game, and and um, yeah, it was. Maybe I'm but, a but players were on form well. as well. You know, Payet had hit his stride. Kamara yeah. had, had confirmed that he was a very good player in that position and he was the best one in the squad. Um, Rongier was, was playing very well in that midfield. You know, he was starting to find his feet and he was, he, he was I mean, he wasn't decisive, but he was close, you know, he was actually shooting at goal and stuff. And uh, the, the parallel with this season is unreal. Yes, but because if we win against Lance, you know, mathematically, we're five points ahead of where we were this time last year. I don't know when that game will be, by the way. It'll probably be next year now. But, you know, it's just unreal. That, and I don't know if you can say credit to AVB, but something clearly is, is still going right in the background and some work is still being done to condition these players in the sense that we're still grinding out results somehow. Yeah, 
I mean, I, I think you can look at the games, though, that were played, the nine matches, and and pick out quite a few positives. So, for example, we got the win against PSG, right? Yeah, we came yeah, up I mean, against yeah. Leon, and we we played much of the game with 10 men, and we still got managed to come out with a draw. You know, there, there, there are some positives from this. So we've got, we've got results in, in key games, and... Yeah, which is points. even more surprising is we've played many of our of our main rivals and we've we've you know we've we've not well we we lost not to a single one of them we didn't lose to Lille we didn't lose to to Lyon we didn't lose to PSG yeah we mentioned this in the the podcast I think a couple of weeks ago we said that you know we've played uh, Lyon Paris Saint Germain we've played uh, Saint Etienne we've played Lille so yeah we've we've actually had quite a few difficult fixtures and we've got a good run in I think until up until Christmas I, mean, I know we've still got to play the likes of uh, Ren and uh, Monaco but yeah I mean we, we can be I think pleased with ourselves I and mean, let's look at what happened with Ren at the weekend they were playing you know Ren have been they doing really dying. well and every, you know they're looking like you know from much of the season looking like the number two team and they came up against PSG and they got totally flattened. So, I mean, I know Leo are looking very good at the moment as well. But, you know, some of these teams, maybe they'll drop points when they yeah, start they, playing they, each they, other. Lille lost at the weekend as well. They Did lost they? to Brest. Oh, shit. You know, they were 3-0 they were down. And they came back to 3-2, but they were 3-0 down at, at just after half-time. After after beating AC Milan 3-0 away in the Europa League. So, again, I think it's back to... to Maybe what what Luca and I said when we when we called the way the Champions League might go is that I, I honestly I'm I'm very disappointed at the performances because it's it, it's it's just not acceptable from any professional team to play that badly. But I'm not surprised that that you know we don't have any points. Maybe we should have had three points or one point at least for not losing like we did to Olympiacos. But it's. <laughs> The priority is qualifying again for the Champions League through the league, and it has to be said we're on track to do that so far. Agreed, but it would be nice if we went through the Champions League and just managed to pick up at least one point. I think um, <laughs> that would do really good for our yes, morale. Um, yeah, and just looking at the running that we've got until Christmas as well, um, who have we got? So I'll read it out to you. But let's swap. I'll, I'll do presenter. You can you can give sure. me your thoughts. <laughs> so we we play Nice um, in a couple of weeks at home. Right. Then we play Porto at home. Yeah. Then we play Nantes at home again. And then we play Olympiacos at home again. So we've got four home results, which means nothing <sighs> to us right now. It's not a benefit. Yeah, but, but is beyond it? that, our form at home has been abysmal. Um, and we've won away from home in the league, so the fact that we have two league league games at home, um, especially Nice and Nantes, which are teams that you know are pretty, they're decent, they're, they're having decent seasons. Um, yeah, I don't rate Nice to be honest. I, I I think Nice. I know they've got some quality players, but I think they've been disappointing for quite a bit this season I know they work and, more against Monaco on Saturday yeah, yeah on I, Saturday, I, I see I get that they actually are quite high in the table they're sitting just behind us aren't they but I don't think they're 
they're not probably as good as they should be. So I think I think they're beatable. Um, will we beat them? I don't know. They're quite good defensively, and well, they were good. And sorry, they were good defensively before. They're not good defensively anymore, are they? Um, yeah, Dante's been. Uh, he's done his ligaments, bless him. So he's out for the season as well. Yeah, I we could win that game. Will we? I don't know. Yeah, well, so we, so we have so in the league. Just looking at the league, we have Nice Nantes at home, then Nîmes away, and then mid December is when it gets very complicated. We have Monaco at home, followed by Rennes away, and then we have Reims at home. So and then Angers on the twenty third, just before Christmas. So it, those four games just before Christmas, uh, they they worry me. <laughs> they worry me a lot. A lot of these games are winnable, though. If you ask me, I don't. I don't think, um, for example, Angers, I don't think they're as strong as they were in previous years. Um, Reims, uh, I know they won. I watched, oh, fucking hell, that was some game against Lens. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, I watched yeah, that yeah. yesterday. They were 4-2 full, um, full up, yeah. I was brilliant that second half. But they are, I like that team, but this season they're not having a great season. Um, I think that we, like, these are winnable games. I think Ren game is going to be tough. The Monaco game is going to be tough. Those two games, three days between them, that is, and it's three days before that. So you've got Man City, then Monaco, yep. then Ren, all within one week. That's going to be a really tough week, and that could be a, a decisive week in our season, I think. So well, let's you, see how we get I through that. I think if you get four points from Monaco and Ren, you're doing very well. Um, considering you know they they may drop points as well between. Now I think and then. three would be good enough to be honest. If we won one and lost one, I I, I would probably yeah. take that. We just I don't want to lose both or come away with one point. Uh, but uh, it's, it's just because I'm I'm not I'm I'm not optimistic just because of the the, the way we're playing is so negative and we're, we're just we're just struggling to create anything at all going forward that. I'm I'm worried that we're just going to end up stringing together too many draws. Yeah, I agree. Here's a question: What position do you think we'll be in come the, after the Angers game on the 23rd of December when we go into the break? Where are we so going? I would like week? to think, being I'm not going to be optimistic, but I think I think Lens will be moved to next year, so we'll play them in sort of January sometime. Um, I think we will be in fourth position where we are now, but three or four points off of second place. Okay. I think that it's all right on the Ren and Monaco games. I think if we can come out of those two games with three points, I'm going to say second. But if we lose both those games, I could see us finding ourselves, you know, fifth or sixth. Seven yeah, but that's, that's that's the problem with how we're playing and, and how we're grinding out results at the minute is we can very well, you know, draw at home to Nice and lose to Nantes and then beat both those teams. <laughs> you just you just don't know, do you? There's also the fact that the, at the moment, because it's early in the season, it's very tight at the you know the top five or six teams. There's not really any points between them other than PSG, obviously. So if it stays like that as well, it means that one bad result can make you drop down and, and so on so um, it all really yeah, depend on how, how open the table is as well. It is very open isn't it because you've got you've got Lyon who are, are playing not as badly but not great either who in the last few weeks have beat Monaco 4-1 beat, beat Saint-Étienne 
So that's Very definitely lucky back on, against back on, Monaco. Back on our heels. 4-1, though, Monaco lost 4-1 to you know to to to, to Lyon three weeks ago. They since then smashed Bordeaux and went away to Nice. So because it is tight, as you say, there's a, there's a lot of uh, there are a lot of teams within sort of this three point range of each other, and that's that's five six different teams. Yeah. Before we finish off tonight, I just wanted to say uh, for us to say a few words about. Um, our former player, um, Gregory Sertic, who has, we learned yesterday, has um, called uh, retire, early retirement to his football career. <laughs> I feel like everyone in the podcast is going to be really, really taken by this news. I'm, I'm struggling to, um, to, I mean, I feel bad, but I, I, can, we, can we honestly say a former player? How many games did he play for us? I'm, I'm not even out. sure. I'm Let's not even it. sure. But you, you, you just can't. The, the, the guy was. I mean, we've had players like this in the past, like Christian Val and Sommet, and even Julien Rodriguez, bless him, after his injury, didn't play for two years, played with the reserves. Sertic didn't even play with the reserves. Played 19 games, it says in Wikipedia. It's not that Fuck bad. Me. Three seasons on, and, and 300k a month for, for French football. That is a lot of money. Germain is on less money than, than Sertic was, to give you an idea. I think that's the thing that we need to, to focus on here, is that why when we're thinking about how poor Sertic was, is the fact that we were paying him so much money. He came on a free transfer, didn't he? Um, but, and maybe... Uh, yeah, no, he, no, we, we paid like a million we? or oh, two Christ. million from Bordeaux, yeah. So at the time, if I remember when he was signed, um, it was in the first transfer window um, with, the, with McCourt and... and um, and so it was January 2017 and yep. I think Garcia wanted someone who could play defensive midfield and cover at the back and so his versatility <laughs> was seen as the as an ideal option. I believe he was Garcia's choice, wasn't he, at the time? Now, yeah, and he had the same agent as Garcia as well. We were all kind of a bit like, mm. but I mean, I don't think any of us anticipated it was going to be as bad as this because... He actually, although it was obvious when he came that he had injury problems, but before he was actually, he'd had a good run in Bordeaux where he'd been shifted into defence, where he was actually looking like a decent player. Um, So in many ways, I don't think it it was a terrible signing at the time, you know, it could have worked out. It wasn't wasn't like the exciting signing we were hoping for under the new, new ownership, but if you were trying to just bring in a guy who's going to provide cover, bring a bit of experience, um, kind of a utility man. I don't know if he maybe doesn't play enough positions to use. That. No, actually, I tell you, I believe that when he was younger, I can remember him playing at Lance and stuff, and he was playing in right wing back, right wing and stuff like that. I think he's he's moved around a lot in his career in different <laughs> positions. But so I'm just I'm just reading his Wikipedia, and it's it's. You know, look, he played. He played well. Still, for for saying he was there for eight years, he played only 137 games for Bordeaux. Yeah, I mean that's not a lot, but, is it? But you know, he was captain, will, though, wasn't he? In the end, I think. Well, say say what you will about him. You know, we have players like Payet who have won no trophies at all. He won the league with Bordeaux. He won the league cup the same season, and then he won the French cup with Bordeaux three years later. Sorry, I'm on mute there. I think that it's um I think it's it's unfair to go and completely bash his career. I think that he's had some good periods in his career, but his career is is 
largely average, you know. He's never been a world-class player, and he was never going to be for us. Um, but I think that he's not. he wasn't a terrible player. I think that he's... Uh, time, especially at Marseille and clearly to some extent at Bordeaux has been really impacted by injuries and perhaps maybe he they, maybe they just thought that he would have um, been able to come and do a, a good job, you know, a temporary job uh, and bring in some and, you know, an experienced cool head it was the right idea, wasn't it? But when you look back and you see that he's only he only managed 137 games in eight years for Bordeaux, so that's that's less than 15 on average per season. You look back at it and you go, it's not actually, not exactly the experienced pair of hands that that we allegedly signed him as. Yes, he's been around for a long time, but he hadn't actually played that many games. Yeah, and the the one scenes are there. And I, I think maybe at the time, though, there was just maybe there's not a lot of options. Like, you're looking for someone who can play in defence, who's got a bit of experience, who can also play in midfield. If I remember in that transfer window, that January window, they, we were heavily linked with Abdenour before he, and he ended yep. up coming in summer. We were heavily linked with uh, Benatia and, and, and Rami, I believe, as well. And then he, he came in the summer. Um, I don't think he was the first choice, but they uh, they went for him because he could cover two positions. So um, And he, he was clearly available for them. But, you know, if you're trying to think of a player that we could have brought in at that time who could have played... In defence and in midfield, you would, you know, you would have struggled to, to to find anyone else. I still, I still would not have gone for Satic. I mean, he was, he like Bordeaux were already starting to wane then because they'd they'd had their glory years. They'd sold, they'd sold all their good players. Yeah, you know, they were already dilapidating the squad, ready to to sell the club and stuff. I mean, it it just beyond the the way it, it well beyond the fact that he got injured and he wasn't very good etc and it was it was a bad error I think it's just people will look back at his last 18 months and think what the guy you know he'd, he'd, he'd go to you know he'd speak to the press wouldn't he and he just wouldn't take himself seriously at all I think he even tweeted when he left that he, he thanks, thanks to the lads for the Champions League qualification bonus you know and Seriously, <laughs> like absolute banter player the, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I couldn't say I, I wouldn't do the same in his shoes, but you, you know, he's one of those players where you feel that if he really wanted to play football, he could have taken a pay cut at any moment of his of his last two years with us and, and signed for a, you know, a Nîmes or a, uh, you know, promoted club or a top club in in second division and, and been a starter there if he really wanted to, and you just get the impression, you know, he's happy on his 300k a month. Why wouldn't you? I've, you know, I can't honestly say I wouldn't do the same, especially if if you, you've struggled with injuries and stuff. <sighs> it, it doesn't seem like a player that's maybe that interested in, does he? In football, I'm, I'm yeah, not getting that vibe from just, him. It's just an absolute banter player, and yeah, but you know, he's he's missing this season, and uh, maybe his absence is felt in the dressing room. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe, maybe that's the problem. Maybe we've not got, we've got too many serious players, and you know we don't have Rami either hang anymore. On, hang on, because he's doing his coaching badges, so Is we he? may not have seen the end of Gregory Sanchez yet. <laughs> okay, so on, on that note, I think we'll end we'll end the show. Um, yeah, so that was fun. Um, thanks very much, Ben. Um, I yeah, um, thanks everyone for listening, and both. We've yeah, got the international breaks. Will be a few weeks, ahead. yeah. Yeah, full steam ahead, and, and hopefully, 
hopefully we can debrief a less embarrassing Champions League performance for you in the near future. Good night. Good night, guys.